Uh, we should go to text messages. Uh, we've got a text message here about Iran. And <clears throat> somebody's texted in to say, Iran, Sharia law and religious freedoms don't go too well. <laughs> One of my best friends is an Iranian neighbour who has own, who has been in Australia only about one year. It's been my privilege to discuss almost daily with him about the saviour of the world and the good news and current events. He told me that many Muslims have given up being Muslim due to ISIS, who enforce Sharia law, and what they have done even to their own people are turning to Christianity. Their beliefs system offers salvation by works in true Christianity is a very expensive gift of love from Jesus, a big difference. How can one refuse such a gift? Mm. Uh, this is a great message right here, you know, just really pointing out, I guess, the difference between Christianity and every other religion that is mm. in existence mm. and a whole bunch of versions of Christianity as well, and that is where the solution to, well, eternal life to begin with, but also life right now is, you know, where do you find peace, harmony, happiness and success? And outside of Christianity, that comes from yourself mm. and what you do. Mm. Within Christianity, it comes from dying to self. Mm. It's a big opposite right there, diametrically opposed to any other religion that is out there. And I think it's a valid point that you know I would point out to, I guess, my uh, Islamic friends is that we cannot save ourselves. What we do cannot save us. It is only grace that can save us, grace that comes from God. Mm. Yeah. Praise but the anyway, I think that's fantastic. Um, Iranian people are the most amazing people. Uh, Persian people, if you have the privilege of getting to meet them, to know them, they are just, um, yeah, sensational. So, Oh, man, I was so blessed to have... So generous. I, I'm pretty sure they were either they were Iranian, they were like some type of Middle Eastern um, Muslim family living next door. In fact, they were like, <laughs> like their... So it was like a family with like the father and then the mother and then the three kids. Yep. And the father's father was an immigrant to Australia like way back in the day. Okay, so so the the, the, the family is second gen, yeah. the kids are third gen. The kids are third gen. Um, but they were like, they were from Sydney and they bought a holiday house up here in Newcastle like on four acres on the waterfront. Done well for so themselves. So they were like, and he drove a Ferrari and Contributed a, a to Land the economy Rover. here in Australia. Dude, they were killing it. And then he built a 1,000 bed orphanage as well in, in one of the African countries. He was like... Amazing. Their family was so amazing. Um, and yeah, I just used to go over there all the time and they would just love me. It was the best. I was like, yes, they're here, dude. Oh, that was so good because I'll go over and hang out with the, like, they had two sons that were my age. And so I would go, I, in fact, I think I was between them, Yusuf and Muhammad. I would go over and hang out with Yusuf and Muhammad and they would feed me, bro. They would feed oh, me. Yes. Full. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, it's just the best thing ever. Like, I can, I, I, I wish they were my neighbors to this day. Okay, big shout out to Yusuf and Muhammad if you're listening out there somewhere today. Shout out coming your way. Oh, so, so good. All right, Lyle. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Let's Let's go. go. All right, John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. The Bible says this, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Okay, this is a fantastic passage here. And so the context of it is that Martha's brother has just died. Mm. In fact, 
He died four days ago. Mm. So this is very, very recent and very, very fresh for Martha. And Jesus, you know, arrives. He's four days too late to heal Lazarus. And Martha's like, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mm. And Jesus turns around and says, he'll live again. And Martha says, yeah, I know he will live again at the resurrection at the last day. Mm. Now, this passage teaches us so much about eternal life and what happens after a person dies. It's the best passage in the Bible to enable us to understand it because what you've got to understand is that Martha is somebody who had spent significant time with Jesus. Yes. And because Martha had spent significant time with Jesus, she understood Jesus' teachings very, very well. So she spent this significant time with Jesus. She knows what Jesus teaches. She knows what Jesus stands for. And uh, when Jesus says, look, your brother will live again, what is significant is what Jesus does not say. Mm. Jesus doesn't say what we typically hear at a funeral. In fact, what you typically hear at a funeral, what we typically say, I don't say, but what we typically say at a funeral are things that no one Jesus at no time ever said. So why do we say things that Jesus never said? So we will say things at a funeral like, well, he's in a better place right now. Jesus didn't say that. We will say that he's with God right now. Jesus didn't say that. We will say he's in heaven right now. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said he will live again. That's a big and significant difference right there. Mm. Okay. Then he goes on. He continues on. No, no, yeah. But let me let me let me come back to. Uh, well, actually, let me dig it up in my translation. Um, let me go to ah, John chapter eleven. On. No, this is pretty good. It is pretty good. This is pretty fair. No, it's, it's a fair translation. I will <laughs> give it to you right there. I just like to read it from this one as well. Let me just flick over there very quickly. My pages are falling out all over the place. John chapter eleven, verse twenty-five. Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live." Mm. I want you to notice here that Jesus says, though he is dead, yet he shall live. Mm. When Jesus says, yet he shall live, that is future tense. Mm. Jesus is not denying the fact that Lazarus is dead. He is stating the fact that in the future, he shall live. Mm. Then he goes on in verse 26, and he makes it even clearer in verse 26, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Mm. Do you believe this? All right, so that sounds like a contradiction, except that Jesus has just said that Lazarus is dead. Mm -hmm. Jesus has just affirmed that Lazarus is waiting for the resurrection. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at this in more detail, particularly when we go to John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. And Jesus explains exactly what this concept means. In the NASB, it says it like this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Mm. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Mm. So when Jesus says that if you believe in me, he will live even if he dies, is Jesus denying that a person will die? No, uh, and it's very clear before this point and after this point, people died. That's right. Like faithful people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let, let's let's continue on here. Even Jesus himself. Like, 
Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so John chapter 11, and let's go down to... John chapter 11? Verse 43. Uh, John chapter 11 and verse 43. The Bible says this, Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Okay, so what's once again significant here is what Jesus does not say. Mm-hmm. Jesus does not say, Lazarus, come down. Mm. He does not say, Lazarus, come up. Mm. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the reason that he says this is because he's speaking to Lazarus where Lazarus is. Yes. Lazarus is not in heaven. Yeah. He's not calling him out of heaven. He is not in hell and he's not calling him up from hell. So he's not calling him, he's not up any place where he can call him down someplace. He's not mm. down any place where he can call him up someplace. He is in front of him. He is buried in a cave as is Jewish custom and he's being called out of that cave. Mm. And, and it's interesting to, to note like many a time like Jesus has spoken to God from earth to heaven, like has referred to God, you know, oh, oh my father, like all these things. Uh, Jesus has been transfigurated has been in, like, the ultimate spiritual state. Like, he would know. Uh, Indeed. And he would, like, and if Lazarus was really up there, like when he saw Moses and Elijah, he would be like, oh, hey, well, well why, that's a, a perfect point. Why wouldn't Lazarus's soul just show up? Of course, we know that the whole Moses and Elijah story in Matthew 17 is because they never died. Well, Moses died, but they were both taken to heaven, um, you know, in body, um, whereas no one else has. Uh, other than this guy named Enoch, who was also really great, and he got there too. But we see uh, the the point here, like with with Jesus, like co- saying, "Come out!" Like, yeah, it's so cl- like he doesn't speak to God in the sky. He doesn't like do anything like that. He just speaks to him where he is. Okay, now watch this. Think about this for a moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody who has had a vision of heaven, yes, Ezekiel, the Apostle Paul, etc., they've written about that. Mm-hmm. If you, if you have a vision like that, John, you're not going to shut up. You're going to share it. Mm-hmm. What did Lazarus write? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't even say anything. didn't even say anything. Now, that's significant to me because can you imagine if you were, say, Moses or Enoch or Elijah mm. and you're taken to heaven? Mm. It's pretty exciting, right? Yeah. And you've been there for a little while, uh-huh. four days, enjoying it. And then it's like, well, actually, you need to go back to Earth. How would that feel? That would be terrible. Could there possibly be anything more devastating? Mm. And when you're resurrected and you come out of the tomb back here on this Earth, it would be like, why am I here? Yeah, wow. And yet every time Jesus performs a resurrection, every time that happens in the Bible, and there's about eight of them in the Bible, Mm. there is always tremendous rejoicing. Mm. There is never this situation where people are like, oh, oh I'm back. That's awful. Mm. You it know, doesn't exist. And, and it's not like, and, and yeah, that's the point. It's like, oh, well, then what, were all those people lost? Were all those people in hell then and now they're rejoicing to be back? No, this no, is because Jesus. they would have mentioned that. This is Jesus' best friend. Like, That's this right. is Lazarus, like one of the most yes. faithful guys, like who, you know, supported <laughs> Jesus in his ministry, all these kinds of things. Like, he wasn't in hell. No, he was He was asleep in the grave. All right, John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. John chapter 5, verse this, 28. This is, where, this is where Jesus really does explain it. Oof. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of 
God's son. And they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to the experience, to experience eternal life. And those who have continued evil will rise to experience judgment. Okay, this is a fairly simple, straightforward passage. The Bible says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all those that are where, where are they? In the grave. In the grave. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible doesn't say all those that are in heaven, all those that are in hell, Mm -hmm. anything like that. The Bible says, the hour is coming, future tense, in which all those that are in the graves Mm. will do what? They will come forth. That's the resurrection. Some to the resurrection of life, some to the resurrection of damnation. Okay, turn the page over to chapter 6 now. Mm -hmm. And we are going to read verse 53. In chapter 6 and verse 53, the Bible says, So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life with him. Okay, so the, the Bible here uses the word unless. Yeah. How important is that? Pretty. Pretty yeah. important. My, my Bible uses the word except. Mm-hmm. When the Bible uses the word except or the word unless, it rules out all other possibilities. Mm. It becomes singular. Mm-hmm. There is a singular way of finding salvation right here, and that is eating the, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. This really confuses his disciples, and it might be confusing you, but stay with us. Uh, if you're listening this morning, it's like, what is Jesus saying right here? Don't worry, the disciples were super confused about that as well. Um, and they're like, wow, this is, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Uh, but anyway, let's now read the next verse, verse 54. In verse 54, Jesus says, But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise that person up at the last day. Okay, 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 okay. There's a contradiction right here. The Bible mm. contradicts itself. Did you catch that? Yeah. Okay, so the Bible says if you do eat my flesh and you do drink my blood, what do you have? Eternal life. And what will I do? Raise you up at the last day. Okay, these two statements are mutually exclusive from each other. Mm. You cannot have eternal life and also have a resurrection Mm. because the only way you can have a resurrection is by having a death. Isn't that so? Yeah, 100%. So Jesus says... Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, present tense, and I will raise him up at the last day. In other words, you're going to die and have a resurrection. Mm. So is Jesus talking in circles here? What's going on? Is Jesus talking in circles? I don't think so. Okay. Because, okay, the gift of salvation is eternal life. Yes. Okay, which we are have accredited to us. When we give our lives to Jesus. Absolutely. And it's like 100%. It's like, so if I die and I'm dead and I'm resurrected, you know, at the end of time to eternal life, how do I not have eternal life? Indeed. Mm. So what you have then is this principle that you find in the Bible where the promise of God is always so sure Mm. That it is counted as present reality. Yes. And so if you have the promise of eternal life, God's like, you have eternal life. Mm. You have that promise right now. You have that gift. I've mm. given it to you. And because I've given it to you, I will resurrect you and you will live forever. Mm. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying in so many of these passages right here. Let's go over to chapter 6 and verse... Oh, we, we had to 
we had to deal with this issue of uh, what is Jesus talking about mm. when Jesus says, um, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood," you know, is is is, is Jesus you know talking about cannibalism right here? <laughs> Um, let me see. Read for us verse 60. What is your translation in verse 60? In verse 60, the Bible says this. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard saying and hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Okay, there you go. If Jesus came to you and says, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have eternal life, that'd be kind of weird. Yeah. And that's what the disciples Mm -hmm. say. And so Jesus explains it in verse 63. In verse 63, Jesus said, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Okay, so what does Jesus say is it that actually gives eternal life? The Spirit. The Spirit. Mm. He says, My flesh, in other words, my literal body, it profits nothing. Don't be freaking out. I'm not telling you to become cannibals. Mm. My literal body profits nothing. But the words that I speak to you, Mm. that's what you need to eat. That's what you need to drink every day. Eat and drink these words into yourself. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we do have uh, another one coming through, another guest coming through here mm. for House, which is incorrect. So close, though. Okay, so you know, foxes have holes. Blanks have blanks. Uh. <laughs> so Jesus didn't have a foxhole to live in or a blank. A blank. Mm-hmm. Or anywhere to lay his head. Man, that's tough without saying the word, eh? I'm it's like, so oh. hard. It is so hard. <laughs> We're going to end up giving it away if we if we keep talking. Yeah, all right. Long. We need to go back to the Bible study. John chapter 5 and verse... John chapter 6 and verse 39. John chapter 6 and verse 39, the Bible says this, And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all he has given me but that I should raise them up at the last day. Okay. So this is an interesting verse here. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. Mm. Does this passage teach predestination? Is this Calvinism right here? No. It kind of sounds that way. God has given to Jesus those that will be saved, and those that God has given to Jesus... None will be lost. Mm. But but like you just have to read like one more verse in the Bible that uses this this well all because okay okay it's saying here let, let's let's read it again so it's saying in verse thirty six but uh, sorry verse thirty was it verse thirty eight thirty nine uh, thirty nine and this is the will of God uh, that I should not lose even one of all those He has given me. The question is who is all those? Well, the other question is also what is. How does this relate to God's will? Mm. Was it God's will that Satan sinned? Yeah, wow. Was it God's will that Adam sinned? Was it God's will that Jesus, sorry, Judas betrayed Jesus and then hung himself? None of this was God's will. Mm. Okay, so when we read this passage right here, this is the Father's will which has sent me that all of which he has given me, I should lose nothing. So uh, God has given to Jesus all those that are saved, and it is, is an, and it is his will that none of them are lost. Mm-hmm. 
in the same way as it was his will that Lucifer didn't sin, that Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve didn't sin. That was his will. Mm. God does not force our will. Mm. That's the important part. It is God's will that everyone is saved, every single person on the planet. That does not mean that every single person will be saved. The Bible says that you know, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering, he's patient toward us, not willing that any should perish. It is God's will that every single person should perish. Mm. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to salvation. Mm. All right. Somebody's texted in to say, nowhere to lay his head. Mm. Yeah, yeah, heading the right direction, but this is a thing. This is a thing, and it's in the verse, too. It's in the verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, foxes have holes, and blanks have blanks. blanks, yes. But the Son of Man yeah, does not have mm. one of these. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Or a foxhole. Or a fox. He has, he has nothing. He's got, yeah, that's right. He's got nothing. He except, doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Except for those who God has given him to... Be saved. As we've been discussing ah, in our yes. Bible verse. Ooh, Ooh. Smooth. He has smooth. nothing but the salvation of the world in it of him. Isn't that powerful? All right. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. Oh, let's Always go. like it when we yes. go to Revelation. Yes. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says this. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. That's an interesting promise. Ooh, yeah, wow. What does that promise promise? Uh, that essentially uh, anyone who is victorious and mm-hmm. okay, some, a receiver of salvation won't be harmed by a second death. So then what does it not promise? Uh, it doesn't promise that you will be harmed by the first death. Yes. Yes. Because to have a resurrection, you have to have a death first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, you have eternal life right now, present tense, and I will raise you up at the last day. Because the promise of God is counted as reality the moment it's given to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Bible is very clear here that there is a resurrection coming. Mm-hmm. And that those who are victorious, they... Well, in the context of this passage, they would be hurt by the first death. Yes. And, you know, this is talking to the church in Smyrna, uh, letter to the church in Smyrna. This was a church that was bitterly persecuted. They were going to get smashed. Mm. And they were really going to be laying their life on the line for their faith in God. Yeah, wow. And so this promise would have been particularly applicable to them when they went to their deaths Mm. because of their belief in God. Okay, Revelation 20 and verse 6. We've got time for one more verse. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. The Bible says this. Oh, I love this verse. Uh, blessed, uh, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Love this passage right here because the Bible says you come up in the first resurrection, the second death has no power. Mm. You can't have a second death without having a resurrection. Mm. And so, yes, there will be a time of judgment when the wicked are raised to life. But we'll talk about that another day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
All right, it is now time for... Question of the Day. Okay, now question of the day this morning relates to something that I was talking about towards the end of the Bible study. And somebody wants to know, what is the purpose of the resurrection of the wicked and the second death? Why do some people get to die twice? Uh, Why would this be necessary? You go to Revelation chapter 20, uh, and the Bible says here, uh, verse 11, I saw a great white throne, and he that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was no place found for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it, and death and hell, the grave, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Why do you have this judgment that takes place after the judgment has taken place. What is the purpose of it? Why does God call the wicked dead back to life one more time? And then, of course, the Bible goes on to say that in verse 15, whoever was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire where they are consumed. Why does God resurrect the wicked and then kill them again? Isn't that a little bit unnecessary? They are already lost. Well, the answer is very simple because this is God doing all that he possibly can to make sure that sin never comes back again. You see, if we think about it right now, the judgment is taking place in heaven. God is deciding who is saved and who is lost. Well, no, actually not because God already knows who's saved and who's lost. He doesn't have to have a judgment to figure out who's saved and who's lost. God, in many ways, is... uh, in, in many ways, is placing himself on trial. And he's saying, okay, this is my judgment, this is my decision, and for this reason I'm opening the books of records because the judgment in heaven is held in open court before the assembled multitudes of the universe. And God is saying, okay, I'm going to save these people here, I'm going to condemn those people there. These are the reasons why. Now you can see this has been done in open court, that there has been no favoritism that has taken place here, there has been no bribery or corruption, There, that every decision that I have made is just and right and all love. That's what God does in heaven. There are a couple of faults with that. First of all, we're not there. We can't see that happening. And so the universe might be fully satisfied as to God's justice. But what about if we get to heaven and, well, the most righteous person that we ever knew is not there? You know, think about someone like Ravi Zacharias. I don't know whether he's saved or lost. I can never make those kind of judgments, but there's certainly been some scandals come out after he died. But let's say the scandals had never come out and we got there and he wasn't there. We'd be like, why is this person not here? Well, then the Bible says that there is a second phase of the judgment that happens after the second coming. And that's for our benefit because God refuses to leave any stone unturned to make sure that sin will never come back again that there will never be anywhere at any time a seed of doubt, no matter how small it could ever germinate, a seed of doubt as to God's love and God's justice and God's mercy. Now, finally, once that has all taken place, there's only one thing left, and that is this. What if, what if in the judgment something was left out? What if something was skipped over? All right, so this is what God does. Just in case there may have been something left out or something skipped over, God raises the wicked 
back to life. He gives them their day in court. He's like, okay, here you are. You're all alive now. If you have something to say in your defense, speak now. And he gives them their opportunity to defend themselves. The Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord, that he is just, that he is merciful, that he is all-loving. And when that happens, sin will never come back again. Sin and sinners will be destroyed. The universe will be perfect. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.